Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Resilient Health Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Darren Ingalls, and joining me on the podcast today is Heather Artema. She is a health coach and founder of the School of Living Lighter. Heather, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. So uh, let's kind of start off. I, I want to, you know, this is Resilient Health Radio. This is just about resilience and how you overcome chronic illness. You know, tell me a little bit about, you know, what is your definition of resilient health? So I've been thinking about this question for a while, and I think the best way I can describe it is that it is it is an awareness of what is a distraction and what is not. And so for me, I've been on this health journey myself. I've been healing from toxic mold, and I am very aware that alcohol is a distraction to my body being able to show up in a resilient way. And so resilient health to me is knowing the distractions and staying away from those distractions so that your body can then perform to the best of its ability in that season or particular season of life. Yeah, I I agree. You know, I think resilience, I think, like I said, it means so many things to different people, but your body's capacity to do what it is inherently designed to do, and that is heal. You know, we all have some element of injury at some point in our life. We cut our finger, we broke our arm, we had emotional trauma. We've got injury that comes at all different levels, but how our body can overcome that, the time and the efficiency in which that happens and like you said, you no know, alcohol can be a distraction. Food can be a distraction. Chemical toxic exposure can be a distraction. All these things that become obstacles that get in the way. Uh, that's really the challenge, right? Is that we're always trying to help identify what is it for us? What is yes. our obstacles that we need to identify and eventually overcome? But you know, I say this over and over and I'll say it again. I mean, the beauty of being human is that it's built into our DNA to heal. I mean, our body knows how to do that. It's just what stops that process from happening that we often get stuck in this pattern of feeling unwell. Yes, yes. And I love that you say that our bodies, that it's in our DNA that we know how to heal. And so for me, I remind myself, Heather, your body is doing the best it can with the inputs you're giving it. Are any of these inputs distractions or are they clutter? Are they cluttering up your body so that your body can't perform? And so I've had lot of, lots of distractions and clutter in my life, in my body. And so now I'm on a mission to live the cleanest way possible so that I can really at the end of the day, so that I can lean into the full expression of who I want to be. Well, you said the word there a few minutes ago, clutter. And I know this is kind of uh, your wheelhouse and you know how <laughs> we kind of get rid of clutter in our life. And I think when we think of clutter, we think of the physical stuff that's in our house or our, our you know work or whatever, but clutter can be more than that, right? Absolutely. And so, yes, it's the uncomfortable amount of things that you have in your home. But I like to define clutter as anything or any thought that gets between where you are today and where you want to be. And so often our physical clutter is connected 
to our mind clutter. And so at School of Living Lighter, we look at clutter really in three dimensions, mind clutter, body clutter, and home clutter. Yeah, well, <laughs> mind clutter, gosh, I think we all experience that at some point, right? All the little stuff that goes on in our head, you know, at the end of the day, we sit there and we're kind of reeling about all the things we didn't do, the things we have to do, the thing people we forgot to call, uh, forgot to buy this at the grocery store. <laughs> it seems, I think, sometimes a bit overwhelming for people uh, when yes. we consider the amount of, you know, we'll just say generally say clutter in our lives. So I don't know, I, I want to hone in on one specific part because this affects, you know, uh, my grandmother was the biggest hoarder in the freaking <laughs> world. Where literally, she would have entire bedrooms filled with boxes, floor to ceiling yeah. of stuff. Stuff that wasn't necessarily, uh, you know, personal to her. It didn't have a lot of meaning. I mean, she literally had every National Geographic from the first publication, 50 years plus in her garage. And we're like, why are you holding on to all these National Geographic magazines? You're never going to go back and read them. So, I mean, in your experience, you know, when it comes to that kind of clutter, why do you think, you know, people tend to collect that, that kind of stuff? Oh, oh, there are so many reasons and they usually relate back to childhood. And so, so people will often ask, why is it so hard to let go? Or I don't know where to start. And, and frankly, those thoughts, I don't know where to start or why is it so hard to let go? That's clutter in itself, right? Because if we allow ourselves to just start, we can just start. And so often what I see happening is that as a child, Somebody will feel a lack of control. And so they'll look to their things as something they can control or their friends. And so then as an adult, how in the world are they supposed to say goodbye to all their friends? It's so hard. And so we'll, it's very human to create meaning and to create story. And so we'll create meaning in all these items and then down the line, when somebody else is like, can you please declutter? Can you please let, get rid of these things? It can feel like such a battle. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, uh, well, it's, again, I think I, I'm the kind of person who tends to be very organized. I don't like clutter at all. I'm one of these people that has to have like zero emails in my inbox <laughs> by the end of the day. I can't stand when I see that little blip on my icon that says you have unread mail. <laughs> So I, I may be a little fastidious in the other direction, but, you know, for those of those who are listening, you know, who do struggle with, you know, mental clutter, physical clutter, and again, it may be hard for everyone to understand, you know, why it's so hard to let go of these things. You know, I'm kind of interested for people who have this, this experience, you know, is there any connection between having this kind of clutter and how it's affecting your, your physical health? Oh, Oh, absolutely. So the clutter that, it, and so what's really important to acknowledge is that it's all about perception. And so you could walk into one home and say, this is not cluttered at all. Somebody else could walk into and say, oh my gosh, it's a disaster. And so perceived clutter is, or the perception is key and it absolutely impacts our decision-making. And so there have been numerous studies done now on clutter and the impact that it has on health and well-being. One of the, um, you know, the, one of the ways I like to look at it is, what is the physiology of clutter and what is the psychology of clutter? 
And so uh, there was ethnographic research that was actually done in California. And what they did is they went into a number of different homes and they had people talking about the shape of their homes. So whether the home was messy and disorganized or peaceful, calm, serene. And then they did the saliva testing and they were measuring cortisol. And then they were mapping the cortisol behavior to the way people were describing their homes. And so those who described their homes as, you guess it, messy and, and disorganized had just spikes in their cortisol. It was very stressful for them. And, uh, and those who said, no, my home is calm, it's serene, there was not that increase in, in cortisol. And not only for the people that lived in the messy homes, not only did they experience the cortisol increase, but they had higher rates of depression and other symptoms as well. So harder to sleep, harder to you know feel at peace, of course, right? Because there's just so much that is buying for their attention. Yeah, my my fiance, uh, I read an article uh, a while ago that said that people who are messy tend to be brilliant. And the reason they're messy is that their minds are so stuck on like brilliant things that they just don't have time to deal with the clutter. And that's like, that's not a bad thing. But I know that, you know, she struggles a little bit where, you know, she looks at the clutter and it's so overwhelming. You know, how do you even start, you know, how do you even know where to start? So for okay. someone you know, who's that way, you know, like you look at the, I think the physical clutter is probably more daunting for most people, but where do people even start to tackle this? Absolutely. And, and actually, before we go there, there are a lot of people that will say, but I can't be creative without clutter. My clutter <laughs> makes me brilliant. And I would say, how do you know? Because maybe you'd be even more brilliant if you could work in a calm, clean space. There is research that says our visual cortex will get overloaded and we won't have the stamina to, to get through what we want to get through when there is a mess all around us. And so I think you can find any kind of research you want to, frankly, on any topic. But I would say, why not give yourself a chance and see what you can do and create in a calm, clean space? And it's not just what you create, but it's also the connection to your decision-making. So there was a study that was done and they had the respondents fill out paperwork. Half the group filled it out in a very messy environment. The other half filled it out in a very clean environment. Upon finishing the paperwork, they were offered an incentive, an apple or a candy bar. Those that worked in the clean environment were two times as likely to choose the apple over the candy bar. And so if we go back to the idea of brilliance, you know, I'm more brilliant because of my clutter. Well, the likelihood is that you're probably not nourishing yourself very well if you've got clutter all around you and what if you were nourishing yourself with more apples or whatever, you know, healthy substance it was, then how would your, I just think clutter has such a negative impact, again, perceived clutter, that give yourself the chance to see how you can show up when you don't have that clutter weighing you down. And so some random thoughts there. And I know you had said, like, how do you start? Where do you even start? And so. We can go there now if you like. Yeah, you know, I also wonder too, I mean, if we're just thinking it's like some of the emotion behind this, 
I wonder how much of this is fear. Is there a fear of letting this stuff go? I mean, I hear things like, well, I don't want to get rid of certain clothes because you know, I might wear them again someday. And I don't want to go spend more money when I already have it. Yes. I. But is, that, is it more than that? But I, I kind of get the feeling for some people, there's, it's a fear factor. Absolutely. And it's a fear factor the whole way through. So first off, the advertising industry uses fear as a way to sell their products. And so I worked in advertising for 20 years. It was my job to come up with the idea that you would see in a commercial. And I was always told, okay, how can we create this commercial so that after they watch it, they feel that their lives are not complete until they buy our product. And that is fear of missing out. And yeah. also in advertising, we had something called FUD advertising, which was fear, uncertainty, and doubt. How can we create those negative emotions in somebody so that they are propelled to buy what it is we're selling? And so there's so much psychology that goes into, into these items before they even come into our homes. And so often people will say, well, I paid a lot of money for it. And so, but I'm not wearing it. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's a shirt or a top and I paid so much money. And so what happens is they're just storing it in the closet. And so what is the difference between storing it in a closet, your home becomes a storage unit and giving it to a donation center that can then have it available for somebody who would actually truly wear it. And so often we'll also say, I paid a lot of money and we will actually increase the value. So let's say we pay $30 for something and we'll look at that and it will, in our minds, it'll feel like we paid $60. And so we'll, it will increase the value of the items and use that as a permission slip to, to keep things. And so often these thoughts are distractions, right? Distractions, they're mind clutter getting in the way of the life that we really want. So if we say, you know what? Yeah, I'd like to have a home that is more supportive, a little more peaceful. And if we can acknowledge, you know, those are just thoughts that are designed to sabotage our success. And if we could kind of laugh at those thoughts and see them for the, the lie that they are, we can let those go and then truly begin to declutter. Yeah. Often, I, where people go wrong is they will start decluttering and it will feel like they're taking one step forward and two steps back. And the reason is because they don't get to the root cause of their clutter in the first place. So the clutter is a symptom. And so if we don't get curious about why we've surrounded ourselves with so much stuff, then decluttering will be a story that you'll have for decades. So it's all about getting to that root cause in the beginning. I know. I think we got hooked for a while in watching Marie Kondo on TV. <laughs> and uh, maybe it's something about having a very likable, you know, Japanese woman come into your home and hand you something. And does it spark joy? And, and inevitably like, yes, it sparks joy. Okay, we keep that. And if it doesn't, and I mean, I liked her approach of being able to kind of separate. Yes, this is something I truly need to keep. This is like a maybe, and this is something I can definitely get rid of. And then eventually you just kind of keep whittling it down more and more. And then I, I think it's a nice process that people can kind of go through to 
really have an understanding of the these things that really truly are important to you yeah things that really just take up space and don't really need to stay part of your life absolutely and and one thing i love marie kondo she's adorable and smart and articulate i i read her book and uh doesn't spark joy that just makes me happy it makes me feel light you know just hearing that one thing she does that that can cause um some stress for people. She talks about categorizing things. Get all your clothing and put it on the bed. Yeah. Sometimes what will happen is that people will do that. And then seeing all the clothing right there will be so overwhelming that it will be hard to regulate the nervous system. And so it's important before doing anything major like that, that you have a plan and that you have ways to calm yourself down so that you can actually get through it. Sometimes people say, what is the best way? And there are a lot of different theories on what is the best way or where, where to start. In Feng Shui, they would say, start with the front door. That's where the energy is coming in. That's where the energy is leaving. And what I like to say is that the question that I think can be most useful is you ask yourself, does starting at the front door feel light or heavy? If it feels light, it's right. If it feels heavy, you know that is not the place for you to start. Or should I put all my clothes on the bed? Does that feel light or heavy? If it feels light, then your nervous system probably can handle it. Do it. But if it feels heavy, it's the last thing you want to do. Often, I, where I see the most sustainable progress is by really small steps. And there's a lot of research a lot of books on on tiny habits and and uh, all kinds of little little habits uh, and and I really buy into that and so it's you find your spot you ask yourself does this feel light or heavy that I start right here with this drawer or with this pile of papers and you go from there now there are some that say don't start with the paper because when you have a pile of paper what paper represents are unmade decisions and so you can have a lot of unmade decisions in a small amount of space. And so they would say, start with big tangible things so that you can feel like you're getting a lot of momentum. Again, it's all up to the individual. Yeah, well, I think we see that with everything else in health, right? Let's go for the low hanging fruit. Let's go for the things that are easy to accomplish because again, even those little bits, it does give you that sense of accomplishment. You know, If I take one supplement a day versus the 10 that my doctor told me to take, well, it's this baby step, but it is a step towards progress. So this really philosophically is no different than anything else we're doing in treating people is that we're trying to help people, you know, take those little steps that are going to start having a cumulative effect. And ultimately that compounds over time. And then you get this bigger difference, bigger difference as time goes on. And as, for you, you're treating people in an individual way a unique way because everybody is all unique, their chemistry, their biology. And so the same with clutter is get to know who you are, how you operate and what system and approach will work best for you. It's gotta be unique. So from your experience, when you start walking people through this process of decluttering their life and all the different ways we just talked about, what are some of the things that you see your clients experience as a result of that? Some of, the, some of the wins that they experience or some of the challenges as they go through it? No, what are the wins? What are the things oh. that come out like, man, this, by this process really helped me 
Yes. Have you heard of Swedish death cleaning? No. Okay. There was a book by that name and now there are a lot of books. And so in Sweden, there's kind of a national idea that the onus is on you to decide what to do with your belongings before you pass on. And that way you don't gift your offspring all of the decision-making, right? figure out what the heck to do with your stuff. And so some of the best gifts that my clients experience is that they now know they don't have to worry that their children or grandchildren could come in and have everything figured out within four hours. And I've got clients that are dealing with their parents' things and they have been dealing with them for months and months. And so that is, excuse me, that is one of the best gifts of all is just knowing that you're not passing this on, all of this clutter, all of this heaviness to future generations. Well, that's, that's a huge win. <laughs> I think in so many different ways and, uh, I'm very fortunate that my parents are still with me, but I know the time will come where they're not. And I think, you know, the idea of, again, I don't think we've had that conversation of, you know, what happens to all their belongings, but I think that's an important conversation to have certainly as people get older and for those who are younger and that's not the case, uh, that's still a good thought process, I think, to have. Because yes. It's like, if something happens, yeah, what happens to all your stuff? And Gosh, I've seen this certainly in my own patients. Uh, I see families fighting over who gets mom's ring and who gets this car and who gets this. And that can sometimes create a lot of strife within the family dynamic if these things aren't kind of set ahead of time. So that's a great suggestion uh, to start thinking about that. And uh, I kind of want to wrap up a little bit. Uh, I know you've got a webinar coming up very shortly. I believe it's September 17th or September 19th. 19th. September 19th. And it's how to live lighter with less. Yes. Uh, just talk a little bit about what you're going to talk about in that webinar. Absolutely. So it's it's a really fun event. It's uh, energetic. It feels really light. And so I talk about the different types of clutter. I go in depth on mind, body, and home clutter. I talk about why we are in this situation in the first place. And so on average, we have 300,000 items in our homes here in the United States. And so there's there's some, some reasoning behind that because often we'll feel kind of guilty or we'll be like, wow, how did I get it so bad? And so I talk about ways to not create additional mind clutter regarding the physical clutter. And, uh, and then I, I offer some solutions and some tangible steps that people can implement right away. Great. If people want to register for that, where's the best place to do that? Yeah. So we will have a link and we can put it right below. I get, you will probably have show notes. Great. And so we'll put yeah. it right in the show notes. And Perfect. it's, um, the webinar is about an hour long. It is I, all the feedback that I get. I do this a couple of times a year. It's so fun for me. It's so fun because this is my favorite conversation and, and it's very interactive, but all the feedback that I get is like, wow, I really learned something. This is tangible. So useful. And thank you so much. I'm now on the path for creating my own lighter life. Well, I'm sure for everybody tuning in, uh, if it's not resonating with you personally, it's probably somebody that you know, a friend, a family member. So please feel free to share this with anyone you know who knows that 
clutter has been holding them back in their life and their health. I think this is going to be a great opportunity to spend an hour with Heather and get some clear direction on how to move forward. So Heather, again, I really appreciate you spending time with us today. And uh, actually, I look forward to uh, your webinar on September uh, 17th. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Thanks so much for having me and being open to talking about clutter and and the potential that there is when we can find the courage to just let it go.